Good morning, everybody. Today, Bezrat Hashem, we'll hopefully get to Daf Mem Dalad Amit Beis and Masechas Gittin. But our Andrew, you a half glass half full or half empty guy? We are on Mem Gimel Amit Beis, four lines down. And Goranos, you're going to help us uh, learn a blot and a half instead of a blot today, or something close to it. Bezrat Hashem, Itmar. What's the case? Uh, we've been discussing this case. A woman who is half enslaved, okay, gets married. She's not supposed to get married to a regular dude. Uh, and then he frees her. So, okay, once he frees her, certainly she's free. Now she can get married to somebody. Now, when she got married to Ruvain, she wasn't supposed to get married to Ruvain, but that's the question we have. Is that Kiddushin Chal, as they say in the yeshivas, right? Does, is she married, right? Well, Rav Yosef Barchama, Amar Rav Nachman, Paku Kiddushin Rishon, which is to say, when she first got married to Ruvain, when this half-slave woman first got married to Ruvain, she is, right, she, that was nullified. That Kiddushin doesn't work. What happened? When she was freed, right, She's treated totally like a newborn, as Rashi says, right? Paka Kedusha Rishon says Rashi, As we know, this is a, this is a great language in Rashi. Nishtana Gufa, her whole essence changed. Her, what does that mean? It means because when you free somebody, they become, when you free a shifcha or an eved, kenani, they convert essentially, right? That be- turns them into full-fledged Jews. Well, what do we know? A ger shenizkayer kekaton shenola dummy, right? A person when upon conversion is like a brand new person. Well, she's a brand new person upon her, right? Upon her shichur, uh, right? Once she's freed. And then she can marry, right, the then she can marry Shimon. Because after all, now she's a brand new person, she's a brand new Jew, and she's on the Shidduch scene now, and now she can marry any regular guy on the Shidduch scene. So the first Kiddushin didn't work because that's not supposed to be happening in the first place. Right? That's a Chatzi Shivcha. And, the, and then once she's freed, she's essentially converted and fully ready to get married, and then she marries Shimon, and that's how it works. Okay? That's what Riyas Bahama Quoted in the name of Nachman. However, Rabbi Zera Amar Rav Nachman, Rabbi quoted Rav Nachman saying the exact opposite. On the contrary, Gamru Kiddushay Rishon. The first Kiddushin works. So obviously he holds, right, that the first Kiddushin was actually, right, uh, that Gamru, why is it saying Gamru? It means that what did this freedom, again, who freed her? Ruvain. Ruvain married her when she was a half slave and then freed her. And then she married Shimon. So, she wasn't, so if, so the real essential question is when Ruvain, who married her first, freed her, did he make her into a brand new person who's now eligible to marry Shimon? Or did he make her eligible to marry him? Right? Was that freedom completed? Be, and, and is the marriage still to him? How does that work? So, it makes more sense, like me, that she's still married to Ruvain, right? That when she's fully freed, she becomes the first guy's wife. Why? We're about right eight lines down or six in the in Mem Gimel of Beis. 
Lo yimsuki lo chufshar is the pasuk that we say by the shivcha charufa. Remember, when we talk about the shivcha charufa and we say that she's a half slave woman, right? We said the reason why they don't all get put to death is because she wasn't fully free. Aha, that implies that her freedom would make her an aishas ish, right? To whoever, to whoever frees her, right? That's what the Gemara continues to say. Hachupasha yimsu. Again, the shivcha charufa was the hybrid woman. Who should not have, who, and then that hybrid woman, let's say it's a, it's a somewhat similar case to here. Normally, when there's an Aishas Ish, right, and there's Chas Vishalm adultery, so then everybody gets killed. Here, lo, the Pasuk explicitly says that this woman, nobody gets killed because she had not been, ki fasha, she had not been freed. It sounds like if she is freed, then the second person who's with her dies. In other words, the way Reb Zeira is learning the Pasuk is as follows, that, right, obviously according to Reb Zeira, there's a real problem with Shimon marrying her. In other words, if you hold that Ruvain's marriage to this woman actually works, right, that the first person's marriage to this half-slave actually works, if you hold that, then when, the, when Ruvain frees her, then, and, and then that, when Ruvain frees her, they become actually betrothed, right, they're married in a real way, Kedas Moshe Yisrael, so then Shimon marrying her is adultery, <laughs> right? So that's what Rav Zeir is saying. Rav Zeir is saying that the reason why Shimon and everybody doesn't get killed is only because she wasn't freed. But if Reuven, in fact, does free her, that's what the Pusik's teaching you, that she becomes an Aishas-ish. And once she's an Aishas-ish, Shimon can't be with her anymore. He can't marry her. She is a Aishas-ish. She's unavailable to him. So Amr Abaye, or Abaye said to Rabzeir, Ultana de Beirishmal, the Amr Bashifcha Kanaias, have arrested Levit Ivri, Achinami de Chichufsha Yumsu. So Abaye points out what we said before, that we don't really know, we have a machlokas about what the Shifcha Charufa is referring to. Is it a Chatsi Shifcha Chatsi Baschorin? Or is it a Shifcha Kananis? Right? We had two interpretations. Rabbi Shmuel said that the Pasuk is referring to a Shifcha Kananis who's Ma'oreset and Evert Ivri. That's a totally different thing. That's not a Chatsi nothing. That's just a Shifcha Kananis, full-fledged. So what are you going to say? The Chichuv Shayumasu? Are you going to say that in that case, uh, also, according to Rabbi Shmuel, the case is that, right, according to your interpretation of the, of the continuation of that Pasuk, what you're saying is that the reason why, let's say the same case, Shimon doesn't get killed, right, is because she wasn't freed. What are you going to say? That if she got freed, right, she would be married to the first person? That's certainly not true, right? Certainly, right, if, if, the, if Ruvain, right, were to marry a Shifcha Kenanis, right, that would not be completed upon, that, that union would not be completed upon Ruvain freeing her because the marriage of a Shifcha Kenanis is garnished mit garnished. In other words, the marriage of a Chatsi Shifcha, Chatsi Bachoran can be, Controversial uh, about whether that works. That would be the source of this machlokas between Rabbi Zera, right, and Rabbi Yosef Prachama. But but the marriage of a Kananis, according to Rabbi Shmuel's interpretation of the pasuk, that certainly wouldn't work. And so that pasuk doesn't. This interpretation of loyim su kilochupshat would not certainly not apply to Rabbi Shmuel. So that does not seem like like Rabbi Shmuel would agree with Rabbi Zera's analysis. That's what Abai is saying. And Abayah continues, No, you have to say that the case is when it says lo yimsuki ki lo chupasha, it must mean shechupasha v'chazravani skacha. It must be that the case was that where she was freed, and then afterwards 
lived with another man. So Hachanami here too, right? You have to you have to say that even if we're talking about a case of a of a chazi shivcha, has to be the case shechupashav chazravanis katcha, right? Where she was fully freed, and then only after she was freed, she lived with with another man. So that's the point that after she was freed and she lived with another man, that would be right. That would be that would be the case, right? So if that's the case, and the the pasuk is really not telling us anything about the right whether the kiddushin of a chazi shifcha actually is completed when she's fully freed, because the pasuk is telling you a totally different thing. That no matter what is going on, we arrange for her to be freed first. Once she's arranged to be freed first, and then she lives with another man, and she's and she's married to him, then certainly if anybody else were to be with her, then that would be considered ish. But it's not a commentary on whether that original marriage to Ruvain is actually legitimate or not. That's not what the Pesach is trying to teach you. Pesach is just telling you that the reason why nobody gets punished to the same degree of severity for being with this woman is because she was already freed and then married. And in other words, because the reason nobody, let me just rephrase this last point. The reason why the punishment is not with the great severity is because the case is not a regular HSH where a woman is free and then normally married. It is because the case is what we would call a compromised case where she's not yet in that freed state. Uh, and therefore, that is why it is for that reason that she doesn't get fully punished and whoever is with her isn't fully punished as if they were, had been with an HSH. So that is uh, Abaya's analysis and therefore that's this the end of that discussion. Now we're just going to finish up a little bit uh, right before the Mishnah, this Amar Rav Huna Bar Katina Amar Rav Yitzchak Ma'isav Yish Achas Sheches Shivcha V'Chesi Baschorin. Right. Let's talk about a Chesi Shivcha Chesi Baschorin V'Chafu Es Rabba V'Asav Baschorin. And the Rabbanon said, right. This is her told her master. This is not Rabba. This is the, her master. And in order to make her a free woman. Okay. So that was the case. In other words, just like in our Mishnah, we said that Beis Hillel, just to remind you, said, agreed with Beit Shammai that you have to free your Chatsi Evet Chatsi Ben Chorin. So too, you have to free a Chatsi Shifcha Chatsi Ben Chorin. Okay? This is what the Misa indicates. That the rabbis think that just like you have to free a half male slave, you have to free a half female slave. Okay? Now, you might recall, however, Barry, why do you have to free a half male slave? Because... Him, in that situation, he can't marry a Jewish girl and he can't marry another Eved because of the side, right? Because he can't marry a Jewish girl because of the side of him that's not, that, that's an Eved and he can't marry another Eved because of the side of him that's a Ben Choran. And so he has a, conund- a Shidduch conundrum, a, shidduch cri- a personal Shidduch crisis. Okay, so that's a problem for a man. And the issue here is, is that the same problem for a woman? Do we have the same sense of urgency to free a woman to the same degree that we have an urgency to free a man. Well, the reason we have a sense of urgency to free a man is because, as we said, why do you use the Pasuk of versus Pru-Ru? Is a, is a different discussion, because here we use the Pasuk of Pru-Ru. But the, either way, whichever Pasuk you use, right, you could look at the Tosos over there by the man, by our Mishnah. Either way, we're talking about a situation where we want the person to be able to be married and have children. That's the bottom line. And so... If, does that apply to a woman to the same way that it applies to the man? After all, is that mitzvah on the man or the woman? That's the essential issue here. Says the Gemara, come on. Right? Why did they f- want to free this woman? Kerb Yochanan ben Broka. The Amar al-Shneim hu Omer. An-Shneim means on both. 
Adam and Eve, right? On both male and female. It says, right? That the Pasuk of Pru applies to women as well. And it is for that reason that we would have to say the same as we say by the male, that when you have a chatzi shivcha, chatzi baschorin, you should be compelled to free her. Okay. To this, Amar Nachman Be Yitzchak, I don't think so. Lo. Minhag hefker nagabo. That's not the reason why we free her. The reason why we free her is because when she was in this uh, state of hybrid state, everybody was taking advantage of her. And, and it was for the reason why we freed her was because if we were to actually free her and make her into a full-fledged Jew, she would get married and her husband would protect her. But unfortunately, sometimes when people are, are vulnerable, uh, bad people take advantage and bad people were taking advantage of this woman and it is for that reason that the Rabbanan freed her but not because of her mitzvah of Purvu and so that question of whether Purvu is incumbent on women in the same way that it is on men can be left for a Yarche Kala or Shir Klali for the Rosh Hashiva at a different time. Okay, so now we're up to the Mishnah and Memgillam Bez and we say, Mokher, a new topic. And we're going to try to turn on the afterburner, see how far we can get into Mem Dalad. Amazing. A person, uh, we've already seen this Mishnah before, we quoted it. You can't sell your Eved to Ovde Kachavim. Why can't you sell him to Ovde Kachavim? Because the Eved, while he's in your house, he's eating kosher and he's keeping mitzvahs. You can't uh, force him to violate mitzvahs, to live in some other home where they have a Christmas tree, Andrew. So that's one thing. The other one is that's selling it to Rovah Kachavim. What about Chutzlar? It's, ooh. Yatza ben Chorin, by the way. It's so bad that, that we put a knas and we say, he's going to go to Cheros, right? We're going to actually free him. This is amazing. Rashi, the first Rashi, the only Rashi in the Mishnah, Yatza ben Cheros, what about Chutzlar? It's the last four lines here. V'chein l'chutzlar? M'pnei shehot siu, me'eretz l'chutzlar? Me'eretz l'chutzlar? The Gemara is going to see who's going to be the one that's going to have to free him. But as we see, this is the Isser of leaving Eretz Yisrael. That's what's going on here. Right? We already saw that on Dav Ches. You're not allowed to leave Eretz Yisrael. The last Dapim in, in Ksubis underscore this. And therefore, you cannot force an Eved who's living in Israel to leave the country. So let's see the Gemara. Turn about Amachar Abdul Ovdei Kochavim Yotzel Cheres V'Tarch Get Shichar Merab Arishon. So that's what the Gemara is starting with, as we, as Rashi foreshadowed. Who's giving him the Get Shichar? The the person who sold him or the person who bought him? So the Tanakama says. Uh, so, so rather, the Brisa says the first Rav has to give him a Get Shichar. Amar Shimon Gamliel Amed Varim Amorim Shalakasov Alav Ono. Shimon says the only time that the first master has to give him this Get Shichar is when he didn't write his ono. The Gemara is going to say, what, what is this ono? We're going to explain. That, but, but the point is, if there was no ono written, then the first master has to give a get shechor. Aval kasav, alav ono, but if a... Yeah, that's what the Gemara is going to say. You're asking the, the Gemara's question. We're going to see. No, I'm just kidding. Is it ono? Oh, I see. Right. Oh, no. Right. It's an onomatopoeia. Right. It's, a, uh, it's an illusion. Aval kasav, alav ono, zehu shechoro. Right. But if you wrote the Ono, that's the Get Shechor. You don't need another Get Shechor, in other words. So the Gemara asks, my Ono. What is this Ono? Amar of Sheshis, the Kosov Lahachi. This is what an Ono means. Fascinating thing. The, the, the master writes for him a contract, like a document that says, when you, when you run away from Sobekachavim that I'm selling you, I don't want to have anything to do with you. The, the article quotes the Rashba, uh, to say that the meaning is that 
what he's saying is the Evid could possess himself, right? In other words, he's writing something in the document that Ono means that implies that the Evid is basically free. So in other words, whatever this Ono is, the language of the Ono in the contract that basically sets him free. And it's for that reason that he doesn't have to give him Shtar Shechor. Otherwise, he would have to give the Shtar Shechor. That is, that is the first thing. Okay. Then, Tadarabana, Lava Lavmina Ovid Kachavim. Okay. If somebody took a slave as a collateral. So again, uh, a Jew borrows money from an Ovid Kachavim. And as collateral, he gives him his slave. So he didn't actually sell the slave. So the question is, our Mishnah says if you sell the slaves, he goes free. What if he uses them as collateral? Well, says the Gemara, What's nimuso? Nimus means like manners in modern colloquial Hebrew. It means, uh, according to his custom, basically like he's, he's causing him to live with the Ovid Barry, what's the reason why we set him free? Because this guy is basically living the life of a Jew, this Eved, and now he's going to be forced to have a Christmas tree. No, you can't put him in that position. Therefore, we force the master to free him. So that would be true, whether he's there, you know, it doesn't matter why he's living by the by the right? Whether he was sold or whether he's there as collateral, he should go to Cheres. So the Gemara asks, my Nimusu, what exactly is the custom that you're referring to? So Amar of Huna Bar Yehuda, Nashki. Nimusa doesn't necessarily mean that he has to live where, where the Christmas tree is, but there's a very specific thing. It's a specific seal that they used to hang on the slave's neck to make him seem as his own. This is how the Ovedekachavim used to identify their slaves, okay? This is getting very not PC, in case you thought it was PC until now. Okay, so now, because of that, right, we, we penalized who? The the borrower, right, the Jewish person who borrowed the money, we say, you can't put him in that position where he has that, those shackles hanging on his neck by the Ovid Kachavim, and therefore he goes free for that reason. Rav Sheshis doesn't like that explanation. Master of Sheshis, okay, nine lines up from the bottom. There is a, um, a brysa that says the following. Let's say you have land in Eretz Yisrael that a non-Jew owns, okay? Ha'arisin, so in such a scenario, Let's say you have Harisin. So Harisin here are the Jewish workers. So just to set the scene, a non-Jewish farmer owning land in Israel, employing Jewish workers. Uh, you won't see this very often, okay? But, but imagine your mind's eye, a non-Jewish boss in Israel hiring Jewish labor in Israel, okay? So Harisin is like sharecroppers. Rashi gets through. Vachachiros uh, is like a tenant farming agreement, which is Rashi gets through... Uh, what the actual financial agreement is. it a percentage agreement? Is it a lump sum agreement? Uh, but the bottom line is you have Jewish workers working and getting some benefit of the land, right? In other words, because they're getting, let's say, a percentage of the work. And yet the land is Israel land, but non-Jewish owned, okay? Or Arise Beis Avos. Um, this is, Arise Beis Avos just means it's an arrangement where, again, the Jewish uh, workers work the land and it's been passed down from generation to generation that these non-Jewish owners uh, owning the Israel land are employing these Jewish workers. Be that as it may, and similarly, if you have an Ovid Kachavim who designates this field as collateral, right, to the Jewish lender, okay, here's the issue. We're saying what Nimuso is here. Even though the Jew, right, is doing the non-Jews bidding, right? That's what that means. In other words, you have the situation where the Jew 
is basically working on the land of the non-Jew, right? It's Israel, but it's the land of the non-Jew, even though he's doing the, everything according to the Akum's custom, Peturam and Amaiser. All those crops don't have to have Miser. In other words, when do you need to have Miser? Presumably, if it's owned by the, even if it's, presumably if it's owned by a Jew. But here, the non-Jew, the saying over here is Leisrael Nimuso, that the non-Jew is making the Jew work according to his customs. Okay. So basically, right, what he's trying to do, right, he's Patamina Meiser, because it's, it's the non-Jew's land. It's not the Jew's land. Right? Uh, right. That's what Rashi is saying here. Right? It would only be Meiser if it was actually owned by the Jew. But here it's all not, not owned by the Jew. So, Nashki. So, the, the word appears, Nimuso appears. So, if you think that the word Nimuso in that Brisa means this shackles that you wear on your neck, it doesn't make any sense in this context. Sade doesn't have anything to do with the shackle on, on its neck. Who's wearing a shackle on their neck? That has nothing to do with it. You're doing a, a, a shackle on the neck to the field? That doesn't make any sense. It must mean something else, Nimuso. Nimuso means that the, that the custom, it still means the mannerisms, right? It still means that, but it's not the mannerism of wearing the shackle that we're referring to, but the mannerism of writing the zman on the get, uh, uh, writing the zman on the star, right? On a loan document. That, presu- that apparently was, right, only according to the laws of the Ovde Kachavim, that is what was their custom. That they would say that we have a date, Zman is referring to a date, where the actual creditor can assume, right, ownership of this slave if it's not paid. Well, that is the issue, right? That if you have this kind of arrangement, then it's as if you gave away the slave already, right? In other words, the Obdei Kachavim have an expectation of the slave belonging to them at a certain point. They're not kidding around. Like, they, they're taking this collateral, but the second time's up, the collateral is theirs. Well, if, you put your, if you're a Jewish slave owner and you put your slave in that position, it's as if you, he's as good as gone, and therefore we're going to give you a knas. That's what it means. However, the Gemara says, Kasha is man is man. Um, there is a contradiction now between a different brysa and this brysa because the brysa we quoted about a date when we said about a loan, right? The brysa we're saying now is that having any date on it is like as if you're selling it officially. However, right, the brysa we said about the land that we just quoted now is saying that it's not selling it, right? In other words, Nimuso here, if you're going to say it means Zman in both cases, and you're going to refer it back to our first case, so the issue was like this. In the case of the slave, uh, when we said Nimuso, we said he's as good as gone because you wrote the date on it. But in the case of the land and the Miser, we said that even though there's a, there's, uh, Nimuso, even though there's some sort of collateral and Zman on that arrangement, that the land is, is considered to still belong to its original owner, in this particular case, the Ovikachavim. So it's two contradictory prices in that sense. Does the Zman make it yours like it does in, right? Does the Zman make it the original owners, like in the case of the land? Or does the Zman make it as if it goes out of the possession of the, of the Jew, as in the case of the slave? What, is the, what does the Zman do? Are these prices contradictory? So the Gemara Lokacher. They're not really contradicting because Hadamata Zmane, Hadalamata Zmane. Yeah. In, in the Brisa about the, 
slave, the date already arrived. And it is for that reason that the slave goes free. But in the price of the land, the date hasn't, it's pre, right, the time that the date arrived. And therefore, that's, in that case, it's for that reason that it stays in the possession of the Ovid Kachavim. Nobody doesn't like that. What, by the Ebed, does the Zman have already had to pass? After all, didn't we say that the whole idea is that once you give over the slave, then even if there's a pending date, the slave should go free, even if the date has not yet arrived? So the Gemara, you're right. Let's try a different idea. In both cases, the date hadn't arrived yet. In the case of a slave, right, he himself was designated as the collateral. But in the case of the land, it was the produce. Oh, it was only produce that affected the item. Well, guess what? The miser is only impacted by the ownership of the land, not the ownership of the payros. And that's the reason why you don't have to take uh, miser. Yes, it's as if the payros belonged to the Jew because there's an arrangement, as it says, nimuso, where it goes to the Jew, but that, that only affects the payros. It still doesn't affect the miser. So as we did yesterday, we arrived in Mandala at, at 6 a.m., and now we're going to see if we could go faster than we did yesterday because it is, as, as Garano had said, a little bit easier going forward. Now, no more chatzim l'choran, let's see. Another resolution. I spoke too soon. This is not necessarily so easy. What happened was, both prices are talking about what? That the, the borrower, the, right, the borrower was borrowing on the condition that the creditor is, is entitled to collect the collateral below Mishkino. But he still didn't pay it. Okay, so that is interesting, right? In other words, if he still didn't pay it, that's the question. Do, does, do we consider it Right, as if he already collected it. In other words, in the case of the Eved, we say, right, by whatever, by, by June 30th, you could collect, you could collect the Eved. Okay, so he had the right to do so, but he didn't do so. In the case of an Eved, right, so it's viewed as if he's already as good as gone, right? But in the case of Miser, since he still technically didn't take it, right, so in other words, the, the Akum didn't exercise his right. You understand what's happening, Barry? The Akum had the right because the, the, the deadline passed, but he didn't exercise his right. So in the case of an Evid, even though he didn't exercise his right, the fact that he can exercise it at any moment means that the Evid should really be allowed to go free. As opposed to, in the case of the land, if the Akum didn't exercise his land to seize it yet, right, or, if the, or in, in the case of the land, it's really the, in the other direction, the, as long as the Israel didn't exercise his opportunity to take the land, and he doesn't own the land yet, so it's very pragmatic when it comes to Miser. Like, it's just who owns the land, right? When it comes to Evid, it's a, it's a knas. It's a knas of, right, is this pending uh, issue going to happen where he's going to have to be owned by the Akum? And even if it's only pending, the slaves should go free. When it comes to land, it's very cut and dry. Who does the land belong to? If it belongs to the Jew, you're going to take Miser. If not, not, okay. Now, two dots, two lines down, Tanner Bottom. Gavo Vachovo, okay. What happens, right, when the Obed Kachavim seizes a slave? This has nothing to do with collateral now. He just, somebody owes him money, so the loan shark comes and takes the slave as payment, okay. That's kind of uh, not so much a loan shark where you owed the money, but rather these people are just basically kidnappers, right? They're looking to extort money. And so they stole a slave. Lo There the slave doesn't go through, go free. Why? Because again, the reason why we say the slave has to go free is because the master, if he initiates it, 
he shouldn't have done that, and as a knas to him, we make him go free. But here, the master initiated nothing. This, free, this slave was seized, okay? So we're not going to give a knas on the master, okay? However, uvechov lo. wait a minute. What about if he had a chov? Urimini, we have a price that says, Arisha, onsu beis amelech gorno. What happened if some, a Jew owed taxes and the IRS came, the Beis HaMelech, and they, took the, and they took some of his taxes forcibly? Says the, says the uh, Brisa, right? If it actually was in pay of tax debt, then he has to pay Miser, right, on account of that produce. In other words, if it was something that he owed anyway, so then, by the, amazingly, Rabbi Elephant quotes Rabbi Moshe Feinstein's Zatzal uh, to discuss, based off of this Gemara, whether uh, Meister should be taken off of pre-tax or pro-tax dollars, uh, post-tax dollars, right? Because again, is the tax, not to get too bogged down because we have to keep moving, but is the tax something that's considered part of your income and therefore it's like discretionary? So that's what uh, he says, yes. It's pre-tax dollars that you're paying Meister, if I understand correctly. Because after all, this is money that you made, right? And you have to give Meister on it. <laughs> That's literally what the Gemara says. That's what the price says. It's money that you made and you have to give Meister on it, even though you paid it. They were just collecting, that's just the IRS taking the, ta- the taxes. Yeah, but that's if they're taking the rightful taxes, like they have it down to the penny and they know that you owed this income tax, so to speak. Uh, however, inbound paros, patrimilas there. Yeah, Anparis means that they just came and took extra money. They, they just took your money, right? Not money that you owed, but more than what you owed. So you don't have to give Meiser on that. That's money that was seized from you uh, unlawfully. Okay, so how is that, wait, how is that uh, a problem for us? How is that a machlokas, right? So, so we see, right, that before we said that if a slave is forcibly taken, right, he's not viewed as though he's already been sold. But here... Right, we see that if if something's forcibly taken, then it's viewed as it's already right from the Jew. It's it's viewed as it's as though it's already been sold, and it's a deficit for the Jew, and he doesn't have to pay miser on it. That's that's the point. A very right, very darkastic um, point here. Right. So in other words, if you lose it, and it's something that was forcibly taken from you, then it's not really yours anymore, and that's why you don't have to pay miser on it. So shouldn't that apply to a slave as well? Says the Gemara, not necessarily. Shiny awesome. The kamishtarshi lay, aha. In other words, he right from not having to give miser. This is you could read it in Tarashi, but I'll say it outside. From the fact that he doesn't have to give miser, he gets some benefit, right? In other words, the fact that some of it was forcibly taken in the case of the grain means that he doesn't have to take miser, which is some benefit. But there is no benefit at all. Mishtarshi lay literally means the Jew profited. So in the case of the grain, he profited something. And for that reason, he doesn't have to take the meiser, but and, and it's not and it's not considered his. But when he has no benefit from a slave being taken at all, so there's going to be no knas to free him, right? That's what Rashi's saying. In other words, if he got no benefit, there's no knas. So there's two different things, right? Nobody wants their slave taken away. There was no incentive for the own for the master, right? To for the owner of the slave to to have him taken away, and therefore there's going to be no knas to free him. And that's the issue of the slave, where, where, whether you give you give you a knas, where you have to free him. But the issue of the grain is more of whether you got any financial benefit. That's a different issue. Six lines down, Tashma, uh, we have a contradiction here. Okay, uh, is he or is he not required to free the slave when the slave is forcibly taken? The Amarav Hamocher Avdelafar Hang 
Ovid Kachavim, right, to a uh, Ovid Kachavim who's like a blackmailer, Yatza Lacheris. Oh, wait a minute. The slave does go free. So, wait a minute. He's a blackmailer. So the question is, what was the incentive of the Yevid? Says the Gemara, Hasim Havalei Lefayes. In the case discussed uh, by Rav, where we do force him bring it to Cheres, he could have given him something else. He didn't have to give him the Yevid. So he had a choice, the Lopies, and he didn't, right? He, he chose the easy way of giving him the slave. No, he should not have done that. He should have gone through the effort of giving him something else to the loan shark, right? In Gufa, we have a teaching that sounds exactly like this, where Rav, without having to answer this as a Shiloh Tshuva, he added in his own Sefer, written the same thing. If what you do is, again, as a master of a slave, you choose to give your slave to the loan shark, instead of giving him, right, finding the money from a different source, there we do give you a knas. You can see how that's different than somebody coming and seizing the Ebed, right? So we give you a knas where you, where you, you, where you chose to, but when you didn't choose it, so then we're not going to give you a knas, right? So my havel of the so the Gemara asks, what should the master have done? The Gemara answers, like I said before, he should have given him from something else, and since he chose to use the Evid, we're going to give him a knas, we're going to say that he has to be set free. Okay, now, now what is the halacha over here, 11 lines down? He wants to say, what would be the deal if you sold him, but really you leased him, you rented him out, the Evid, for 30 days? What would you say, Barry? Well, Tashma, let's relearn what Rav said. The Amar Rav, let's repeat it. Hamocher Abdul Lefarhang, Ovid Kachavim, you use your Evid as, uh, as a way to pay back the loan shark. Yatza Lecheris. The Evid goes to Cheris, right? So obviously, uh, we assume that that's going on where he's going to be ter- returned by a certain date. In other words, we didn't know that. We thought he was giving him forever. No. If he had given him forever, it would be obvious that he goes Lecheris. So Rav, we're reading into it and we're saying, no. In the case of the loan shark, he appeased the loan shark by saying, listen, Tony, I'll get you the money, but, uh, but first, take my slave for 30 days. Until I get you the money, take my slave. That's a different thing, right? This way, you don't end up in the, in the trunk or in the bottom of the river for the next 30 days. It buys you time to get the money. That must have been the case. Well, if that was the case, then we see that if all you have to do is give a guy over for a temporary amount of time, if you give the slave over for a temporary amount of time, he still goes free. So doesn't the statement of Rob answer our question? And Gemara says, not necessarily. Yeah, once you give your slave to the mafia, you know he ain't coming back. You know, that's not like lending him to somebody who's a, right, who's a refined person. That's a two, those are two very different circumstances. Okay. Okay, more questions. This is a fascinating thing. So we just said that the issue with selling the slave is that he's going to be like in a Gaisha home and he's going to be eating McDonald's, Rahman al-Itzlan, and he's going to be, right, decorating the Christmas tree. But what if you kind of got him out of that? You, you made sure that he keeps Shabbos, he keeps kosher, right? You, you say, I sell him, but what's Chutz Mulachto Rashi? Gufoy Karnalcha, technically is yours, but when it comes to Lasil Shifchaso and all these things, Lo Mafkam and Mitzvah, says Rashi. We're going to say, you don't, you can keep Shabbos, you can do those, all those things. Or Chutzmin Mitzvah, he gets to keep Mitzvah. He comes home for Shabbos in Yantiv. So what do you do if you sell this Evet Kanani and you try to, right, minimize the damage of having to have him live as a guy? Says the Gemara, Mumer Mahu. Or if he sold it to a Ger Toshev, right, so this is already Rashi's explaining what these, is, what these are. A Ger Toshev is 
uh, a ger uh, who lives in the land. He's a, he's a co- kind of convert of Sheva Mitzvah Neinoch, is the bottom line. But the bottom line is he's still eating McDonald's, but he's basically not an Ovid Kachavim, so it shouldn't be so bad. You should be able to live a Jewish lifestyle in there, or, right, or a Mumar. Uh, right, he's, he happens to be Jewish, but he's uh, Apikairis, but at least you could live a Jewish lifestyle. That. So all these cases, or Lakusi, Mahu. Okay, so we're going to see. We know that the Kusi, we've come across them many times. So first of all, we understand the question, right? We're, 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 it's not a great situation that you're selling a slave to, but it's not exactly an Ovakachavim. Would you still say that you have to free the slave? That's the question. Now, as far as Kusi is concerned, we, they were the disingenuous um, converts that converted because they thought it was better to be Jewish because they didn't want to be eaten by lions, and they're still disingenuous. So now everywhere where you see in Shas, the Kusim, we're like not sure how to handle them because like, can we, can we really trust them? Sometimes, you know, like any cross-section in society, some of them are good and some of them are bad. And so we don't know who we're dealing with, what would be the case. So the, with regards to Kusim, the Gemara says, at least that one I could tell you, that a Ger Toshev is definitely like, a, would be like an Evid Kachavim, so therefore you'd have to free him. Kusim Yisrael Mumar, Amri Lakovit Kachavim, Amri Yisrael. Yeah, it's when it comes to the Kusim, who we don't know whether to trust them, and also the secular Jews, right? We don't know whether to trust them because we don't know. Like, are they sensitive to this religion thing? And in which case it might be good, or are they not? In which case it would be bad, we're not sure. So, Bomi name, okay, so that is the issue. Okay, next case. Bomi name, Rabbi Ami. Evich Hippilat, Malagayasos, Vein, Rabbi Yocholotio, Lobadin Yisrael, Lobadin Yokahavim, Mashi, Shiito is Damov. What's the case? The slave himself gave himself up, right? He went and joined the gang because he wanted to get out of there. And the Rav is trying to get him out of there, but he can't. He's, he's going through the legal process, whether it's Bezdin or the legal courts. He can't. So what, what is the halacha? The, can the master take the money from the bandits? In other words, they've taken this slave. Can he at least get payment back? Well, the question is, it's retroactive, right? You certainly can't sell the slave lechatchila. But once the slave has been seized, can you get the money back, or is that tantamount to selling the slave? That's the question. So he says, go look in your Mishnayas. So Zrika checked his notes, and he says, oh yeah, I see that. Titania, I found a price. It says, that a person who sells, right, his house in Eretz Yisrael to an the money that he received is prohibited. That's fascinating. You're not allowed to sell your house to a non-Jew in Eretz Yisrael. Yeah, okay. But what if the Ovid Kachavim seized the house? And there's no way you can get it back. It doesn't matter whether you go to a Bezdin or a secular court. What, so then, can you take your money back at least for the value of the house? In that case, you can get That's what the price says. In other words, you can't sell it the house to a non-Jew in Israel. But if they seized it, you can get your money for the house and go buy another house. Right? You could write a deed of sale. Bring it to their, right, to the registrar. Bring it to the, the land registry. Because it's like rescuing money from their hands, right? This is, uh, okay. This shouldn't be overused, right? But it's this Jewish idea that when you're taking the, the monies of, from the non-Jew, you're, you're putting it in a better place. Okay. But maybe, okay, so we know what the halacha is by bias. That if the house is seized, better that the Jews get the money for the house than not get the money for the house. But if, but is that true of the slave too? Maybe it's different. Says the Gemara. Yeah, a bias you can't live without. 
So you can't, you need to buy another house, right? So, and he's definitely not going to do it intentionally. In other words, why do we have uh, this stipulation that once a, a, a evid is taken, you should not get the money because maybe you'd be tempted to sell your evid if that was the case. And that's the last thing we want you to do. That's the whole thing we're trying to disincentivize. However, nobody would do so for a house, right? We don't need to disincentivize that because everybody wants to be able to have a roof over their head, right? So for a house, we say that you don't have to, that you can get the money. Right? Since you can live without the slave, and therefore, once we allow you to collect the money for a slave that was, sle- that was seized, we might be... Um, interested in actually letting you, you might end up going into a scenario where you sell them the chathila, and therefore maybe that would be a reason why for a slave you can't take the money. Although, or maybe for a slave you can't take the money. So, what Shalchlu Rabbi Ami, Rabbi Ami asked the question, meaning Ami bar Nasan, this is how he started the letter, for me, Ami bar Nasan, Torah Yosel Chal Yisrael, this was his responsa, right? This is his truva. Rabbi Ami started as follows. I will instruct all of Klai Israel as follows on this matter. Evid and Evid that right join the gang. Exactly our case that you cannot get him back by the courts. If you could take the money, yeah, that same thing that we said by a house, you could say by a slave. That you know what? Once they seize your Evid or the Evid join the gang voluntarily, go get your money because the money is better in Jewish hands, anyways. Okay. So right, so he falls out on one side of that issue. So So what's the knas? We penalize him. We make him buy back the slave. Okay, but up to what amount? Like the goyim are onto the fact that you now have to force be forced to buy back the slave. So they're going to hike up the price. So how much? Until a hundred? Says the gemara. Dafka lo dafka. Are you mean literally? Or not literally, like until literally a hundred. You know, today when the kids say literally, they mean figuratively. They literally mean figuratively. That's literally what, not what I meant. That's so ironic. When they say ironic, they mean coincidental. Ironically, they mean exactly the opposite of ironic. So dafka or lo dafka. So tashma to amar shlokish hamocher behema gasa laovik kachavim also ad asar bedameha. So is it a hundred or not? Well. Rishlakish said, with regards to the Behema Gasa, you know you can't, did you know that you can't sell your Behema Gasa to Novakachavim? Why? Well, you have to buy it back, up until tenfold. Why can't you sell the animal? Rashi explains. God willing, get Tesvav discusses this idea that there's a gazera because once we allow you to sell a Behema you may start renting it on Shabbos or showing it on Shabbos. Don't get involved. It's a gazera, okay? So, Vidilma shiny evit. So there we say it sounds like it's it's a knas, but ten times. So is it ten or a hundred? So it says, well, maybe an evit and an animal are different. Dilma shiny evit. The whole mitzvahs. Yeah, an evit maybe should be more because the evit, right? There's a real reason he's eating McDonald's every day. Chas v'shalom. You have to get him out of there. But behema, who cares? The ika da amri amri b'shuvim levi amochar av the lovik kachavim konsos adasar b'damav. There's another discussion where it says regarding the evit not. A hundredfold, but tenfold. So dafka or lo dafka? So is he saying dafka? Is that literally tenfold? So now we have, right, examples of each for each. A hundred and, and, and ten for both the behemoth and the evan. So what is it? There you might say, shiny Yeah, the slave doesn't return to, to the possession of the original owner, right? And therefore, maybe for that reason, it should only be ten. So wait. 
that, how does that make sense? The behemoth goes back, so say, yeah, we can say it's feichad. In other words, Rashi explains, we understood an, es- an extra knas for the fact that the guy gets to keep the animal, right? But, so, but 10 times would make sense. But 90 times more for the Evid? People used to sell the behemoth gasa all the time, but not the Evid. So uh, we have to stop. So three lines up. Uh, the next topic is, once somebody acted wrongly, do the children have to inherit uh, the sins of their parents when it comes to a knas? And the Gemara and Dafbez goes to different examples where uh, stuff was owed by the original estate, but the knas uh, was the but the knas really is on the person who did it. Does the knas get inherited? Some cases yes, some cases no. Unfortunately, uh, I won't be here because there's a weekend over here, so we won't be here until the middle of next week. Uh, so I feel bad because whoever is teaching daf tomorrow is inheriting uh, a half a blot, and the question is whose fault is that? Well, we don't, we're not making uh, right. We're not going to cast blame. Bezat Hashem, uh, I apologize. We have to do the second half for homework, and everybody have a good weekend.